Hello and welcome to this episode of Tuesdays with Mummy, a show where I Tejas get together with my mother and chat about the happenings in our lives. Say hello to your crowd, Amma. Hello, everyone. This is Kalai here, and nice meeting you today. So, Amma, right after my Vipassana course, which we spoke about last week, we did one of our favorite pastimes, which we hadn't been able to exploit before the course. We spent days and hours together, actually binge watching shows and movies on Netflix. After we watched the indie movie Darlings, which although it stars Alia Bhatt is quite a neo noir film, we ended up binge watching Indian Matchmaking, which was high on our list given the entertainment value that season one provided. Given the age I am coming into, which is twenty four now and twenty five next year, I thought we could spend some time talking about the show, relationships, and marriage more generally today. So, what did you think of season two of Indian Matchmaking? It's fun to talk about all this, and it's really nice that you've brought up the subject of conversation today, Tejas. Um, we did enjoy all the episodes of season two of Indian Matchmaking. I love the way Seema Aunty talks, the way she portrays the character, because through the decades, over the last three, four, um, forty years or so, we have seen such marriage brokers. They exist. So Seema Aunty basically is not a figment of anyone's imagination. Such people do help in matchmaking across families. Uh, because traditionally, the society in India is quite conservative in the relationship of marriage. They may be modernist in their approach and in their thinking and in all tech and Apple and the products that they use. But when it comes to the tradition of uh, wedding, it is still uh, considered quite close to divinity. So this Indian matchmaking, what I found has is that that it has portrayed very realistically what happens in the affluent middle class and sometimes in the lower economically lower background as well, because across the different strata of the society, these marriage brokers, aunties or um, uncles and pundits are. Um, employed or are always considered and their helpful guidance is taken. So this Indian matchmaking, I felt, uh, does spark a lot of conversations which we had at home, which was nice. It was very entertaining. And uh, well, the reality of what happens is portrayed so well. Okay, nice. Um, Yeah, I think I have similar thoughts, but I'll have to disagree with you on the fact that I think two things that I see a little differently are probably the first that um, Indian society is um, is conservative with how it views marriage, I think is is too broad a generalization given how the demographic of India has changed. I think it's now it's more of I think the way I see it is that it's more of a clash. There is a clash between traditionalism and modernism continuously within Indian society. And there is still a portion of Indian society that is quite conservative. Um, But I feel like matchmakers and marriage brokers are used across the spectrum of conservative to modernism. 
someone can i don't think the label of being conservative traditional or modern necessarily implies a correlation with whether someone uses a marriage broker or not i feel like you can be quite modern and progressive in your views about marriage while still wishing to use a marriage broker um that is one thing that i am quite firm about i feel like that that i disagree slightly with because associating an arranged marriage or a marriage brokering process with conservatism i think takes away from the process that it is because it's still that you meet people it's not i think um in that sense i really appreciated what the show showed in that it shows you the process of what actually takes place vis-a-vis i think certain uh preconceptions that you hold about how an arranged marriage functions that's the first thing that i i sort of Uh, disagree with your views about the second thing i think is when you said the show shows how um it's the affluent middle class as well as lower economic strata that would that sort of go through this process i think the show basically catered to the cream of the crop like the i don't even use that phrase but um the the two percent in india and the two percent outside of india i think um and this is something that i noticed afterwards but there's no real diversity in the backgrounds that these people come from and that's not to say that it's a slight on the show right because the show is clearly catered towards that that uh, those background of people but i don't think it's a representative show of how indian society matchmaking works even though it's called indian matchmaking it's largely nris in the first instance and the second thing is that it's a really really rich affluent background that the the show focuses on because that's what seema taparia's entire business model is i don't think she is i mean if you go to a website and you look at it she's traditionally focused on this class of people so it is a classist show and i feel like the marriage brokering process or the arranged marriage process may look different based on which economic class you're from in india and the show really reveals coded language for caste i think that uh even if caste is not as um uh, explicitly verbalized in any of the people's preferences right like when when any of the characters on the show and we should remember that it's a reality show so it's quite possible that a lot of it is erased but everyone who is shown on the show uses coded language for caste where they talk about things like background being important right like those are those are essentially different ways of saying the same thing so i think that there's a lot of nuance to the kind of discourse you can have on what the reality of the show is but if you step away from all of these criticalities there's so much entertainment value like the stories are hilarious like if you want to switch off your critical voice and watch the show i think there's it's it's Netflix hit the formula on its head in trying to find the Indian version of what appeals to Indians in this middle class that subscribe to Netflix or like Indians who have access to Netflix which is also a, a specific proportion they've done their market research very well and figured out that we like reality TV but we don't like big boss and therefore you need something comparable to like bachelor bachelorette or love island in the UK or something and they found that this formula works so so i thought it was it was amazing in that respect 
I want to ask you two more follow-ups actually about the show. What did you think about how unstructured the show was in season two? In season one, it was almost as though at the start you were introduced to a character and then you followed their story through, right? And at the end of the season, it was like one person's story had gone through a thread. But in season two, it was really unstructured. Like some episodes had some people and then you had them come back and it was like you were jumping from location to location um, and person to person. What did you think about that? Because I knew that, I know that that drew a lot of flack from some people. Uh, I don't agree to you because I found uh, the season two was better made than season one. Sometimes I was struggling with the closure of a particular episode in season one. Whereas mm. here, there was a definite closure uh, without taking names. I mean, of course, one of the leading uh, person is a Pradyuman whom they portray, the character. Uh, the way uh, his journey was made, concluding it in a marriage. Um, I found the season two was uh, better structured. Even though mm. uh, I do agree that it was from uh, different locations. Uh, but what was what the good part is each character they show the map and where the person is from. So before yeah. they introduce, so that kind of you're able to relate to which part of US he is from. So obviously yeah, yeah. you kind of have a mental map of what is happening. So I mm. found this was uh, better made in terms of the portrayal of the characters and also um, the way they were showing the the strengths and weaknesses of each. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a checklist, no? They were showing each of the preferences. Does not want. I loved how they animated it. Like when someone said something and changed it, like uh, it does not have to be too fussy. And then is actually very fussy used to come as a as a written yes. thing that was that was pretty <laughs> so, yeah how after the conversation she updates or whatever yeah. it is but exactly. the best part is how she has a disclaimer right in the beginning it's only 60 to 70 yeah. percent <laughs> so it's like outrightly <laughs> but you know the, the number of the number of memes that have been made about that like all over the internet it's like Imagine if your parents allowed you to get 60 to 70% on your exam and come home, right? Like, that would not be. Yeah, but like this opposite is like, yeah, take 60 to 70% in life partner. Sure. But it's, she, she honestly, the way she speaks, the bluntness of how she, she puts this across is, I think, the reality of a lot of conversations or things that people think about, but don't say. Yes. Like, I know, I feel like it is an accepted part of relationships to compromise. It will be a compromise because everyone is individual, right? But putting a percentage on it, like 60 to 70% is a very blunt way of doing that. And that's why it's funny. Yeah. But uh, it's also, it, it was very cutely made, right? Like, you know, all those couples who come at the start and talk about how long they have been married for. Yes. Uh, so she's giving you hope, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there is always hope to find the right partner and you can survive for decades in this marriage. But it, still, when, when you are looking out, you know, I think she sets the expectations very realistically. She prepares mm. you. So even the 60, 70, and also a lot of uh, conversations that she has, I think she translates literally in Hindi. You know, some sayings are so much native to a particular language and a tradition. So she translates it in English. And that also comes across a bit more funny. 
it doesn't may not be applicable to the other uh, NRI societies. I, I somehow always suspect that they've obviously they've chosen her clientele for the show, right? So it feels like there's a mismatch between the clientele and like who she is as a matchmaker. Uh, this is not like a slight on her business, but I feel like maybe the entertainment value would have lowered if they actually used clientele who she had been successful with or like taken this process with continuously because part of it is ensuring a reality show has that drama, spice, etc. So there's a lot that's blocked out. But yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, but maybe some of the families may not want to come on camera. You know, there's yeah. always the privacy issues. So what I do understand is that the director or the producer who was into it uh, interviewed close to 500 families before shortlisting them. So they have done a lot of um, research and homework before they started. So yeah. And also the way she says, hi, I'm Seema Auntie. Of course, we know she is Seema Auntie. No, but she also says, hi, I'm Seema from Mumbai. <laughs> like every time she meets someone, every time she goes, she says, hi, I'm Seema from Mumbai. And that's become a tagline, but we don't care that she's from Mumbai by the end of it, right? But the other thing that I want to say is that um, in that entire episode series about Nashik, uh, about the guy with the chicken farm, it's the first time she actually reveals things about herself, about how she spent time in Nasik, how she moved. Yes. I really want more of that in the next season. Like, I want to understand why she says the things she says or looks at marriage the way she looks at marriage. Because it clearly comes from... And the the other thing that I want to say is that she is very clear about the fact that she's doing this work because she enjoys it, Right. She's yeah. always got a smile on her face, even when yes. she has a fussy client. She's, I, I mean, even if it's for show, it still leaves you smiling. Like you're mm -hmm. still really happy at the end of the episode, which I thought was, was wonderful. Yeah. And the second question I wanted to ask you about the structure of the show is just about Aparna. Now, Aparna is a very polarizing character in this world of Indian matchmaking. And in the second season, she's not a client of Seema Taparia, but she's still on the show. In the middle, she's apparently written a memoir called She's Unlikable based on the backlash that she received after season one. What do you think about her inclusion in the show in the first instance? And if you want to add any other comments, I think you're, you're welcome. To. I think it was good, good that she was included. Otherwise, it would have left the viewers wondering what happened to her because she was she hers is a very strong character. And we have come across such people who are so much centered and who have immense faith in themselves, immense mm. faith in what they believe in, the self-righteous people. They exist, period. So showing her in season two uh, makes the viewers believe that it is okay. She may not be a clientele, but this is her journey. So this is also what I was you know, talking about, kind of a closure, what they were showing, which happened mm -hmm. in season two. So yes, this is about Aparna, but I really like the way uh, the character comes across. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a, there's a lot more, I think, for me that I'm trying to unpack about whether it's real or whether it's for show. And I don't think I'll ever know that, like whether she's she's put on that character for herself. But without being judgmental, I think she's just a very good contrast for everyone else on the show. And that's why people are polarized. People have opinions about her because she's a contrast. And she's not like a run-of-the-mill character. 
which I think is, again, just adds to the show's entertainment value. But moving from the show then to actually the kind of conversations we were having on the side, do you think watching the show made you think about the process by which your own marriage was arranged? Because Appa and you were an arranged marriage, right? Uh, yes, it was arranged. And uh, both the families knew each other much before. The first time your dad had seen me was when I was about 14 or 15. And we are related to each other as well. So they were a wedding and other functions where the two families met. Though we were formally introduced only at a later stage when my official time had begun. Mm. <laughs> for groom hunting <laughs> and that was when and this was the first proposal uh, which came and uh, maybe at that time <laughs> when I watched this show that's why probably the 60 to 70 percent kind of has struck a strong chord <laughs> in me <laughs> and I was perfectly okay with that because there were so many um, uh, different uh, approaches to life I would put more philosophically now um, yeah. you know uh, to what we both had whether it was in terms of hobbies or uh, Hindi movies I used to binge watch Hindi movies socialize friends partying everything and your dad was not so much um, uh, he had barely watched one movie until then one Hindi movie and um, was not too much into all these get-togethers and meets and packing. I, I come from a family where we really enjoyed meeting people, whether it was a family or friends. It was a celebration and it continually happened. You know, during the mm. week, we used to um, set up the schedule for the weekend. What next? What next kind of a thing? Whether even outdoor picnics, lunches, it was, you know, it was not, it was very common for us. So, and I realized with my, in my first con formal conversation with him that he did not come from that kind of a background. Um, but then I also realized during our talking that he was quite supportive. I could sense that. And even to this day, he's been, your dad has been extremely supportive, whether I want to go for a late night film with some known friends or whether I want to have a sleepovers. He's been perfectly okay with that without uh, any reprimands or editors. So, yeah. so that is that that what clicked, you know, <laughs> that that, term that sometimes opposites do attract. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I was talking to a friend recently who said that uh, because everyone is individual, it's very rare that you can actually, I think this entire notion of compatibility, there was this video that my friend watched about how the entire notion of compatibility is flawed because it presupposes that two individuals can be so alike that uh, you are compatible with each other. Compatibility is what you make of it or what you prioritize. And everyone is an individual. So naturally, you will be different from each other in some way or the other. And so the base of it has to be kindness and compassion. And everything else just comes from that. If you're a kind, good person, if you are two kind, good people, the rest of it just grows from that. And I feel like that's what Appa and you are. And I, I remember telling this to you also. Appa's a very... Uh, one of the reasons I've grown in my respect for him over the years is that I've started to also understand that he he's a very simple human being with very simple, straightforward priorities. His priority is to do a good job at work 
and to care for his family as much as he can and anything that comes in conflict with either of those duties he will not partake in right and he is he's very open about discussing the fact that it is work and family and then the rest of it around that which is why he's so supportive of both your ambitions and mine right and he does that through his work and through the way he takes an interest in what we do um we've spoken about the podcast before like we've spoken on the podcast before about this but yeah i feel like that's the that's the click and i think that's why maybe even if you say 60 to 70% now i look at it very very differently <laughs> yeah because i also i would have probably struggled to understand why you two were together if i was older when i was smaller so, yeah. yeah go ahead so it it reminds us of what um, in the forest gump uh, you know forest mama used to say life is always like a box of chocolates you don't know what you will get yeah absolutely and you should uh, you should think about um, what the lal singh chadda version also says no what is, is it, it life golgappa jaisa hota hai i think that's the translation kabhi khatta kabhi meetha or something something like that is what they've used instead of box of chocolates i've only seen the trailer so i might be getting this completely wrong but but yeah okay so i have two final questions for you and then we can wrap up this episode both are more along the lines of your advice for me so i am clearly getting to an age where everyone's going to start asking about this people i mean my friends already ask me if i'm dating someone and the answer is no and generally it's easier to talk about it with friends i think but now it's going to be people that i interact with socially or in family settings who are going to bring up the topic first how do you suggest i respond and then more generally what advice would you have for me relationship wise from mother to son what would you say good very good um questions uh, okay for the first one i think we have had this deal that whoever finds the girl first we introduce <laughs> to each other if you find the girl uh, you uh, try to know her better and if you feel that she is the right person you introduce her to us and if we feel that there is someone in that uh, bandwidth and whom we feel is going to be compatible or who can understand you and who can tolerate you oh my god yeah yeah well done then we will introduce her to you so that's but you're not doing me any favors i thought now you'll be like hey don't worry you will find you will find love easily and all that you should be like that no what what is this tolerate you it seems yeah so when no, the right yeah. time comes yes yeah exactly yeah, yeah. when so the right the deal comes. and that's how you should respond that this is the deal with my parents <laughs> yeah so get this right so i was thinking about this a little bit i mean obviously it's not that i don't think about these things and we don't talk so i was thinking about this the other day and i realized that the reason people ask the question is because they anticipate it will cause you discomfort the minute you are confident in your response they get uncomfortable <laughs> everyone gets uncomfortable because they don't know what to say next yeah. their entire they have a vision of how the conversation will go right like they'll ask you mm-hmm. oh so what are you going to get married do you have plans they say hey, no i don't have plans you'll become red little bit they'll ask who oh, is there a girl and you'll say no <laughs> sorry auntie la nothing nothing like that and then they can get like they get the fun out of doing the whole poking you and trying to get answers from you the minute you're confident they're like oh 
<laughs> oh no and you're confident in front of your parents that's even worse because then they're like now we can't even ask your parents about this uncomfortable situation which is great so i appreciate your advice and that tactic will work for me yes now coming to the second question uh, this is something that i would seriously like you to consider whenever you meet someone of course it always begins as an acquaintance and as a friend and then you start knowing the person better and uh, you start realizing the there are something commonalities between both of you and there are some things which each of you bring to the table in terms of the different hobbies and all that so there's always fun in understanding it's like a mystery box so to know what the person's um Uh, answer would be you know i mean it's the unpredictability is what uh, excites you right i mean it, it, otherwise it would become too boring if you can know what your partner is going to say for a particular question so having that different view i always enjoy you know interacting with that person so this would this is something that i would like you to consider as well um and of course commonalities in general holistic picture uh, picture of your life journey you know something like whether it's a children or which part of the world would you like to settle you know things like that in general which at least for now things do change uh, we know that for a fact there's nothing permanent but at least if the views can match um well this is what i want you to look out for thanks i really appreciate that honestly like that honesty is very refreshing and that's very good advice i think i i i'll take that on board for sure because the the thing that i feel like people expect their parents to say is no matter whom he finds we will be okay like that there's that typical i i don't know there's this trope within my generation at least to think that we should not ask like there is almost an unconscious um rejection of any advice our parents will give us or the first response is okay i will reject this like instant chapa no, comes from parents no no, no. no. Right? <laughs> so that that honesty is pretty good and i i mean it's in line i i don't want to say that it's not new right like it's it's a little new but it's along the lines of what i'm thinking in general That's so i'll appreciate that and take it on board yeah comfort it's good yeah that means i'm actually your son you know like we don't need <laughs> <laughs> if i'm thinking the same way or like yeah okay he is he is mine uh, i have to find someone who tolerates him but he is my son he's okay <laughs> he's 60 okay. to 70% <laughs> <laughs> my god 60% in physics exam made me cry outside school and here you are trying to sell that 60 to 70% notion but yeah i mean great great fun talking to you about this i like that we can do a podcast session about these conversations yes me too <laughs> i really appreciate it um i also want to tell you that apparently a new episode of coffee with karan has come out today which i'm going to watch at some point and is this the star one no i think this is uh, katrina kaif people are raving about her oh vicky kaushal okay okay yeah but vicky did an episode earlier in the season so i'm okay. i'm not very sure um but there's this there's this new episode and then after this the apparently seema aunty is on the new season of fabulous lives of bollywood wives mm-hmm. so if you've not seen if you've not seen fabulous lives of bollywood wives i've seen that 
Ah, so then watch season two also because yeah. I want to. I want to understand what you think about. Yeah, because what? About that. Yeah, because I do know the characters because all of yeah. them are the main Bollywood characters and their wives. So yeah, and the only newspaper reading... page you read is page three. So we all once we all upon a time, once <laughs> upon a time. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll chat about your thoughts on that off the off the record. But to the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. This podcast will be out wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's on Spotify or iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and do listen in next Tuesday for another episode. We'll see you then. Goodbye.